Hey everybody, it's so good to have you with us today. If you're joining us for, for the first time, my name is Jason Wolliver. I'm the directing pastor here at Crossroads, and we're so glad that you have joined us. If you're a part of our regular online worshiping community, it's just great to be joining you again this week. So this is week four in this message series, Practical, where we are going section by section through the very practical letter of James in the New Testament. Today we're looking at James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And just a little bit of reminder of the background of James. Remember, James is the younger brother of Jesus. He's Jesus' half-brother. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. After that happened, she and Joseph had other kids. James appears to be the oldest as we look at the scripture. He became a believer in Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to him. And then James continued to grow and serve Jesus and appears to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem at some point. Now, this is the letter that we believe is the earliest written letter of the New Testament, written between 40 and 44 AD. James, writing likely from Jerusalem to Jewish believers in Jesus, scattered abroad. And so it's a letter that's meant to be read uh, to all of these scattered churches. And another thing about James, of course, is that his devotion to Jesus also led to his martyrdom in 62 AD. So he was thrown from the temple during Passover and was either stoned or clubbed to death, as historians report. And so here this reading from James 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over here or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your empowering presence among us. I pray that you would now speak to each of us at the depths of our heart. Help us to grow deeper in our love for Jesus and our love for one another. Speak now. We are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So every now and then, when I'm getting together or meeting a new family, I'll ask the parents about their kids, and then I'll jokingly ask the parents, so which of your kids is your favorite? Now, of course, it's an awkward joke just meant to... Uh, 
make people laugh. I tell you, one time, though, someone actually gave me a name. They said, well, probably my favorite is so-and-so. And then I was kind of uh, caught off guard, and I felt a little awkward. I didn't expect them to actually name one as a favorite. Now, of course, kids will tell you that they think maybe parents favor their sibling over them. But most of us, if we have kids, try not to have any favorites, but to love them all the same. Now, it's this idea of favoritism that James is addressing in the scripture today. The theme of the whole section is given in verse 1. He says, my brothers, meaning believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So here James addresses two aspects of following Christ. The first is holding to the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the grammar here is interesting because it doesn't seem to be talking about your faith as in your personal trust in God, but rather the faith. In other words, the faith that Jesus taught and that his apostles wrote about and passed down to generations, which we are passing down to generation after generation. As we hold on to that faith, he says the second thing, do it without showing partiality. These are instructions for how we treat people of different social standing within the faith community. One thing that made Christianity somewhat unique among the different worldviews and religions of that time and even today is that it challenges the hierarchical social structures of the world. One of the things that got Jesus in the most trouble was that he didn't have special regard for powerful people, for rich people, for religious leaders. It really seems as if most of the people that he spent time with were those who had no special standing in the community. And so it was the religious leaders and the powerful people who felt threatened by Jesus as his following grew, and those are the ones who then conspired to have him crucified. But after Jesus rose from the dead and the church grew and Christianity gained more influence and began to spread throughout the Roman Empire, then some wealthy people were drawn to it. And so they would show up at these gatherings, which normally took place in people's homes. Sometimes they might show up out of sincerity, seeking to know more about Jesus, or perhaps they felt like it was some social advantage to them. And so when these wealthy people would show up to these home gatherings of Christians, it seemed to kind of cause a little tension. And there was this question, how do we treat these people in this place? Do we treat them as they're treated with special preference in the rest of the world? Or do we treat them the same way we treat everyone else here? And so James says the standard is clear. In the body of Christ, there's no partiality for the wealthy, for the powerful, for those who have status in the world. Look at what he says in verse 2. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Although it may seem strange for us to imagine this kind of treatment, um, it's really something that still goes on in churches and in Christianity today definitely goes on in the world today. I was watching a documentary recently about a very famous megachurch in New York City and this documentary was uncovering some of the very inappropriate things that had been uncovered at this church. This church had 
acquired great fame and notoriety because of the coolness factor, because the pastor was pretty handsome and physically cut and good looking, and also because they uh, attracted such a celebrity presence. This church was attended by Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber and Kevin Durant. Now, the church eventually came crumbling down for a number of reasons. In the documentary, though, there was a man who'd been an usher at this church, and he shared how one time he was reprimanded because he had accidentally seated a normal person in the VIP section, which was uh, supposed to be safe for celebrity guests. Exactly the kind of thing that James is talking about shouldn't be done. Now, I would just say this. If you come to Crossroads, anybody can sit anywhere. It really does seem that sometimes in Methodist churches and probably other churches, that people seem to think that they have to sit in the back of the sanctuary, furthest from the preacher. Maybe they think that only special people can sit in the front rows or sit in the row with the preacher. I don't know why. Maybe they're afraid of getting spat upon as the preacher preaches. That could happen. I just want to let you know, if you ever visit Crossroads, you can sit right up in the front row next to me. No preferential seating at Crossroads. But then James shares why it's illogical to favor celebrities and powerful people over regular or poor people in the church. Look at verse 5. He says, listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? And we've already spoken a little bit in our study of James about how James agrees with Jesus and the Apostle Paul that having less material wealth can actually make you richer in faith. Because if you're connected to God by faith, having less will mean that you have to rely on God more. And the more we rely on God, the more we trust in him, the more we experience him, and we experience the blessings of that close, daily dependent relationship with him. And that's where the abundant life is found. And sometimes our richest, most powerful experiences with God are in the hardest of times. And apparently, the people in these churches that James was writing to were themselves among those who had less material wealth. And it was the wealthier people in their communities who were oppressing them. So why, when those wealthy people who weren't behaving well came to church, would you dishonor the poorer members of your faith community and honor these oppressive people just because of their um, possessions or their wealth or their status outside the church? Not that they shouldn't be loved, because Jesus loved the Pharisees and the tax collectors as much as anybody. But in the house of God, everyone is treated equally at the feet of Jesus. And then James brings everything back around to the two great commandments. You may remember that Jesus was once asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law, the Old Testament law? And Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the laws of God. In other words, all the laws can really fall into one of these two categories. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. In this text, James refers to love your neighbor as yourself, the second great commandment, as the royal law. 
Look what he says in verse 8. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So the argument here is if you treat rich, powerful, popular people better than you're treating the other people in your church, the regular people or the poor people, you're not loving the poorer people, the regular people, in the way that you want to be loved. And we all know what it's like to be in situations where those who are better looking, those who maybe are taller or have uh, more standout, um, you know, parts of their life, they get better treatment than us. And it feels bad, doesn't it? It feels bad to be on the downside of favoritism. And he says, you don't want to be treated that way. And since you don't want to be treated that way, love your neighbor as you want to be treated. Don't treat the poor person or the regular person differently. He also says we can't pick and choose which parts of God's instructions we want to follow. And he uses kind of a dramatic example here from the Ten Commandments. He says it would be ridiculous for someone to say that, yes, I did commit murder, but at least I didn't commit adultery. As in, listen, I kept the other nine commandments. I just broke one when I killed this person. Hey, that's 90% faithfulness. 90%, that's an A minus. So, hey, I murdered somebody, but I still have an A minus. I'm still doing pretty good. James says, come on, that's ridiculous. You can't treat the instructions of God that way. We can't pick and choose. He ends this section by basically saying, friends, I mean this. He says in verse 12, so speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So uh, one of the commentaries I was reading says that the law of liberty here refers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us that we are all sinners, every single one of us. And having broken God's law, we all deserve the just penalty for our sins, which the scriptures say is death. But that God in his mercy sent Jesus, his one and only son, born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, to come live among us, live a life free of sin, and to die on the cross to pay for our sins, and then rise from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God. And that through faith in him, all of us who are sinners can be forgiven, adopted into God's family as brothers and sisters in Christ, and received God's Holy Spirit. So in God's kingdom, under the law of liberty, we're all sinners, but we can all receive the favor and the grace of God through Jesus. So he says, live according to that law. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And he says, we're to speak and act in a manner that reflects this deep and marvelous truth of the gospel. So beyond ushering applications, how we see people in the church, what are some other applications that we can draw from this text? Well, let me give you a three ways to, uh, to kind of think about how this would apply to your life. The first would be this. It's start seeing people differently. 
Don't see people as the world sees people. See them the way God sees them. In the book of 1 Samuel, in the Old Testament, we see God sending the prophet Samuel to anoint the one who would be the second king of Israel. The first king of Israel was King Saul. And when he messed up, God sent his prophet Samuel to anoint the man who would be the next king. It seems like God told uh, Saul to go to Jesse, this guy who had these sons. And then when he got there, God would point out which son would be the next king. And so Samuel went to Jesse and his sons were presented before him. And when he saw Jesse's first and oldest son, he thought this surely must be the one. Apparently he just looked like a king. But God said this things in uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In the end, God showed Samuel that it was the one that no one thought would be the king among uh, Jesse's sons. It was the youngest. It was King David. And David was selected not because of his appearance or his stature, but because of his heart. He was a man after God's own heart. So start looking for people and looking at people the way God does. Not based on physical appearance, but at the heart. Try to spend time with people who have good hearts. You will become like the people you spend time with. If you spend all your time with people who are fixated on achievement or stature or their bodies or their appearance or wealth, you will adopt their attitudes and outlooks. And I can tell you as a pastor that a lot of people who look like they have it all, they really don't on the inside. They can be some of the most anxious and insecure people of all. So what we want to do is look at people the way God does. Look at the heart. Spend time with people who have the heart of God, who are seeking the things of God, and see everyone as God sees them, as a sinner in need of God's grace and love. But don't be enamored with people based on external experiences. Now, uh, this appearances. The second thing is this. It's stop living for the approval of people. Stop living for the approval of people. After the Apostle Paul chose to start following Jesus, he found himself experiencing the same kind of persecution that Jesus experienced. The people who hassled Jesus, the religious leaders, the powerful people, started treating Paul the same way. And this had to be very hard for Paul because Paul had been one of their favorites before he became a Christian. He was a Pharisee. He was the... Uh, leader of the persecution of the church in the first century. But then the resurrected Jesus appeared to him, and he couldn't go back. Those people hated Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus. Paul had now met the resurrected Jesus. And so he started talking about Jesus, and he started getting persecuted and hated by those people. And he had to decide whose approval he was going to live for. He said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. One of the reasons that we can fall into the trap of trying to impress people who look good or have a lot is because we think if we can be associated with them, then somehow we'll be safer, we'll move up in the community, or in society, and somehow we'll have some acceptance from being in the in crowd. And Paul would say, 
that the favor of powerful, popular people is a fickle, fickle thing. He says, get out of the business of trying to please human beings and be a pleaser of God. Choose to live for Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus. He will never turn on you. He will never fail you or forsake you. And the people that are also living for Jesus, they're the best people to be around anyway. So let the acceptance that you have from God through Christ dwell deep within you. Let it change who you are. And then learn to love other people and move around and interact with other people so you can grow stronger with people who also live for the love of God. Finally, number three is pursue a life of virtue, not status. In our message series on contentment, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and how Paul warned Timothy against the dangers of pursuing wealth. He said those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Although he was talking about pursuing wealth, the same pivot that he gives Timothy about that also applies to pursuing power or status in the world. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, As for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Don't pursue things out there which can never satisfy. Pursue becoming the kind of person that you were created to become. Set your heart on being a person of character who has love and joy and peace and patience through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and moving through us and changing us. Jesus said in Luke 16 verse 15, what is prized by human beings is an abomination in the sight of God. So prize the things of God, a rich character, a life of love. So in conclusion... To the ushers among us in the local church, remember that anybody can sit anywhere in our church. And to the rest of us, I would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. Throw yourself into these things and you will do well. Let us pray. Oh God, I just thank you and praise you for your goodness and your grace. Pray that your Holy Spirit would now speak to us as we move on today. That you would help us, Lord, to just find deep satisfaction in knowing that we are loved by you. You look at our hearts, you know our struggles, and you want to bring healing to every heart. Help us to see others the way that you do. Help us to live uh, to further the kingdom of God and let your love be known and the truth of the faith of Jesus Christ also be made known. We ask it in Jesus' name and now we pray the prayer that he taught us as we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us declare together the faith of our Lord Jesus. As we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.